And that sound marks the beginning of another missile for the masses. This is the Chatham's Motor Pod. This is missile number 39. This is the podcast where I talk about what's going on in my world of G.I. Joe, things I'm collecting, reading, watching, or just what's going on. In every episode, I take a closer look at a vehicle or playset from the 1982 to current G.I. Joe, a real American hero line. Since the last missile, I haven't really gotten much in. It's been more of a reevaluation time here at the uh, motor pool. And it's been mostly just evaluating what my goals for the collection are, like I do every year. And as things get more crowded, it's always, uh, what should I keep? What should I not keep? But that hasn't stopped me from getting anything. Uh, I forgot to mention on uh, Missile 38, I did get my Skeledrones from the RoboSkull Kickstarter. And I got I just got the one package of three. I did debate buying another package or two because at $15, that's a reasonable price. And had a little fun with those. Really cool little guys. Uh, they mesh well with the modern era G.I. Joes. They're made by uh, Marauder Gunrunners for the Robo Skull. And, you know, they had a little fun. They terrorized and um, our elf on the shelf. And just overall, they're just neat little skeletrons. Over on eBay, I finally made the leap, I pulled the trigger. And I bought something I didn't already have in my collection. And I bought the 1987 Cobra Jetpack. You know, it's one of those things where I had a great idea for something and I didn't have it. So I says, well, I still have this great idea in my head and it didn't germinate the way I expected it. So I had to go out and I bought one. And... It was reasonably priced, arrived, and, sh- you know, the guy shipped it right away, came in, well-packaged, I opened it up, very happy with it, leave positive feedback, go get my figures, go get my phone so I could take some pictures, and then I'm getting ready to basically go outside, and I discovered that one of the wings had a section of it clipped. That was a bummer, and it was really bummer because it was shown in the pictures, and I missed it, and it wasn't disclosed in the description, and I had already left positive feedback, and it's just, for the cost, I'll consider it a lesson learned. So I went out and I bought another one that wasn't complete, and I took the missiles off the first one and put it on the second one, and now I got a second one that I have no idea what I'm going to do with at the moment. And the idea is still going in the Cobra jetpack, and that might be a hint for a later missile. Circling back to the goals of 2023, I am currently recording, and I'm staring at my second whale that needs to be finished. So I'm going to put it out there in the cosmos, because if I talk about it, it will maybe manifest self-manifestation that I'll motivate myself to finish my second whale 
My first whale is what I consider an almost perfect whale. It has one vein that has the same number. I think I have two threes and no two for the four veins on the back of my whale. And the second one, the veins are even more mixed up. So I got to figure that's that's on my goal for 2020. Early 2023 is to clean off the stickers and re-sticker it and put it together, my second whale. Also a goal is to finally put together a mobile command center from 1987. I have one for a very long time. It's been it's been in my collection for five, six years now. And last year I did pick up one on Facebook Marketplace for parts. It's nowhere near as complete, but it had a couple things that I needed. I at least I hope because I haven't started on this project. And the mobile command center is something that is a vehicle that I do have some memories of, not many, but it's there. That's that's the other big one for 2023 for me to collect or fix and be able to, you know, elucidate about. It is, uh, you know, the tackle box. So that 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 is on my 2023 list for this year. And I got a couple other things going uh, for 2023. I want to do uh, stretch out, uh, stretch my legs, get out there. And, you know, and the other big thing is I'm rebuilding my Devil's Due collection. I foolishly sold it, uh, almost, the, almost the entire Devil's Due collection. I kept a couple books. I kept the Storm Shadow series. I kept the Scarlet Declassified. I kept G.I. Joe Declassified. Essentially, I kept all of the books that Larry Hama said he was keeping in canon when he started with issue 155 and a half and I sold the rest that was a mistake so I have slowly started looking and buying so I guess I could say yeah I did get those in the mail uh <laughs> recapturing my devil's due collection it's going to be uh, a long road on that I do enjoy the comics and I'm looking forward to talking more about them in, in the future on uh, various other platforms. We'll just leave it at that. And I guess that's really what's going on in my world of G.I. Joe. It's, you know, been eBay here and comic books there and, you know, preparing for the HasLab Sky Striker because I got all those emails to make sure I confirm my address, even though I've been in the same place for 10 years now. And the vehicle spotlight this missile is Darklon's Evader. And the Evader is a cycle-like vehicle, and we'll get more to that. It was part of the 1989 Iron Grenadier line. The Vader came with the driver Darklon, and Darklon is notable because he is Destro's cousin. And according to the file card, he is the distant cousin of the Destro clan and the last of a long line of privateers, mercenaries, and investment bankers. He has a cast iron castle in the Alps. So 
That's pretty interesting. It's a cast iron castle. So it's, you know, tetanus is probably the biggest threat when you're inside the castle in siege. And that's basically where he, his base of operations for hiring out his mercenaries. In the quote on the file card, it reads, Completely unhindered by ideology or ethics, Darklon is motivated purely by greed. His telephone solicitors have been known to drum up business for his mercenary army by offering reasonable hourly rates and cash rebates. Being that this was written in 1989, that, that quote makes me think of the old 1-900 numbers to dial up, you know, in the reasonable hourly rates or those were probably minute by minute. I wouldn't know. I never dialed one. Darklon is a character that really only has been illustrated in the G.I. Joe comic books. He hasn't made any appearances that I could find in the cartoon series or the live action movies. So the most we've really gotten from him is his appearance in the Marvel comics the IDW comics, and I even believe a little bit in The Devil's Do. It's been a while since I've read those. But he was allegedly blown up in the last third of the Marvel run. Uh, I want to say about issue 146, uh, right before Star Brigade. And he did manage to make a comeback in the storyline where Larry Hama had to completely retcon the death of Sneak Peek. So Sneak Peek was killed off, and it's funny. It's the the many uh, degrees of Sneak Peek here over on the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod. So Sneak Peek went into Darklonia to spy on Darklon. And there's a, there's a whole storyline about that. And, you know, this is about issue 169 through, you know, into the later 100s of the IDW run. And then, uh, spoiler alert, Sneak Peek dies in, like, issue 244. I'm sorry, Sneak Peek. But anyway, back to Darklon. So Darklon really is has been this, like, mercenary, like, outsider of the Destro clan. You know, think of him as the black sheep. And typical of the Darklon clan, they all have, you know, masks and stuff. But he's a pretty reasonable foe for the G.I. Joe forces to fight the other the other thing about darklon is larry hama used him as the weapons dealer for the python patrol you know the pythonizing process that was another way to uh, introduce new toy lines and stuff for 1989 but also it gives him a little bit of an army that's separate from the iron grenadiers and just gives him that ability to be another faction, another ne'er-do-well for the G.I. Joe team to, to fight against. He can, and he's versatile, you know, he's, he can join up with his cousin Destro when they're on speaking terms. Or, you know, he can just do it his own and sell weapons to everybody in Valkukukland and all that. I like Darklon as a character. And Darklon was also featured in the volume seven of Creating G.I. Joe by Dan Klingensmith. And one thing I do like about 
the creating G.I. Joe books or creating Joe, uh, I think volume seven, as I'm looking at it right now, it was one of the first to be officially licensed by Hasbro. You know, these are great reference books. I like looking at the germination of an idea all the way through the execution. Dark Clown was penned by Mark Pennington. In the book, they referenced that Dark Clown was potentially going to be called Warlord in the presentation artwork by Dave Dorman in, like, the background. It's, like, almost, I don't want to say a watermark, but it, you can see it say Destro's Warlord. Darklon does come with a weapon, and I'll talk about that. It's like a mini Gatling gun, and the there's like a little air tank attached to the the butt of the gun, and the air tank was inspired by paintball gun air tanks. There's a lot going on on this gun. You have an upside, like I said, there's a, there's a stock on the back, but the stock is on the bottom of the pistol grip, which for me means that it will accentuate your the recoil rather than you know push the recoil back in your shoulder it will pivot on your shoulder um, you have that air tank which has a hose that goes into the back of the body of the gun and not sure what that's for but you know there, like i said there's a lot going on you have a scope and if you look at the back of the gun the hose actually obscures the eyepiece you have the, the frame of the gun, and it looks kind of like a pump-action shotgun. But then when you get to the barrel, then you have the Gatling portion of the gun. So there's a lot going on. This is a gun for the G.I. Joe toy line for the person that doesn't take G.I. Joe seriously. Just have fun with it. You know, maybe that little paintball tank is a flamethrower. It's hard to make sense of this gun and talk about it. It's more of a, it's a fanciful fabrication for your imaginative play. We'll leave it at that. Darklon actually has really nice paint apps from the thing. His top half is molded in green. His bottom half is molded in red and orange for the boots. So his legs and waist are red, uh, plastic, boots are orange. And then, like I said, the top half is all green. He's got... A glove on his right hand. He's got some armor down his right shoulder, and then which comes up to a little more and some armor across his right breast to his back, you know, held by a strap. There's no other strap that attaches to the left side, so I guess it's just hanging there. You have some black lashes almost like a little bit of a camouflage that goes across his chest and his upper left bicep and his left wrist has a black little communicators like gauntlet so that could be for communications it can be for you know battlefield readiness it could even be a remote detonator like in predator how can you talk about darklon without talking about his mask so he has this black mask with accentuated like breathing apparatus that flank his his cheeks and chin on the bottom it has two ports it looks like almost like you'd plug in some air filters for filtering out the air or you know just for him to be able to communicate through it's ridged on the front so it looks almost a little bit like dr fate's if you look at the forehead it looks a little bit like uh, dc's dr fate 
But the one thing I do like about the figure with the mask is they felt the need. So they molded the head in green. They painted the mask black, but they left the eyelets open on the black, right? You have the green plastic underneath that, but then they put a bright red accent for the eyes inside the mask. So the eyes really pop on this. It's because you got that red surrounded by the green and then to the black mask. Not going to lie, like his gun, this is ridiculous, but it stands out. And in the right frame of mind, he could be menacing, aside from just being, you know, Darklon. You move to his waist, and it's that red plastic. It has that same black, stripey camouflage pattern. And his right leg has bullets in pockets all around, uh, you know, three pockets, one on the front, one on the back, one on the side. And then it goes down to his boot, where he has... Not one, not two, not three, but two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fourteen little tiny grenades attached to his top of his right boot. He's not skipping leg day, folks, on that leg. Um, I'd almost say that would make him, you know, think about him walking, sound like stirrups, except the stirrups can explode. And he's not skipping leg day on his right leg. But what is he doing on his left leg? Well, the left leg is kind of plain, aside from a trench knife that is attached to the outside of his left boot, painted in green. The only other thing I could see remarkable about his left leg is a little bit of that black armor on his upper left thigh. So Darklon is just a character. He could be mean, he could be silly, he he fits. He, he belongs to the G.I. Joe squad. He's one of those characters that isn't realistic. He's just one of the more science fiction-y aspects of G.I. Joe. And I embrace him because he's fun. I think he represents a lot of fun for a kid. He's not going to play well as an adult for a lot of adults. He's going to be part of, he's not part of that magic era of 82 to 86, 87, He's definitely the start of the more science fiction-y aspects in the later G.I. Joe line, which probably could be said was all heralded by 1987's Battle Force 2000. Moving on from Darklon and going back to Dan Klingensmith's book, Looking at the Evader from 1989, it was designed by Frank Coronios, and I hope I pronounced that right. He was a senior product designer, and he was inspired by his parakeet's bird feeder. It comes down to the fact that the Evader was designed to be a fusion-powered open-air motorcycle, and also there's elements of Tron in the clamshell design. And looking at the concept images, there's definitely a lot of Tron influence inside of them. But then it moves on to the second page of this in the book. And it's something that I picked up on when I was holding the toy is the concept of this was vacuum formed plastic and sheet styrene. So that's where you get that hollow, not model feel on a G.I. Joe vehicle. You could tell 
because they're taking one flat sheet of plastic and then they're forming it rather than, you know, making a shell for the character to sit in. It's more of like a solid piece of plastic that, you know, it doesn't have a top and a bottom. It just looks like, oh, they didn't finish the bottom of the toy. And that's really where it got its shape. The Vader as it comes is made out of two colors of plastic, black and gold. The gold forms the clam, the, essentially the shape of the clamshell design where you have the base and you have the roof. So they say the shape of it reminds you of Tron, but Darklon sits in there recumbent style, which means he's laying down, uh, not, you know, hunched over where like a traditional motorcycle or bicycle even. So he's, he's laying, he's sitting down. Um, to me, it reminds me more of, uh, Akira than it does anything else. The other thing too, that's interesting when he's sitting in the evader is there's no hand controls for him to steer this with. There's buttons and little detail on each side of him, but there's no joysticks for him to grab on either side. There's no joystick coming out of the center. So there's not even a yoke for him to grab. That's why I say this is a value vehicle. There's there's definitely not a lot going on. Now, the top of the evader is basically two pieces of plastic. So you have the gold part that comes up from the hinge in the back of the evader, and that snaps into the black front of the canopy. And on top of that, there are two missiles on a turret. The easily lost portions of the evader are the missiles, for obvious reasons, and then also the guns on the side, because they're supposed to be removable. Now, the guns on the side of the evader are a lot more realistic looking than the, than the gun that Darklon comes with. The other thing is they're supposed to be removable, and I've been fiddling with mine for a little bit, and they don't want to come off, and I don't want to take them off because I don't like breaking pegs. But that is a nice feature. It's also nice that they're on the black plastic, not the gold plastic, because as G.I. Joe collectors, um, we are very familiar with the gold plastic syndrome, which is basically it breaks. I'm actually more surprised that the gold the gold plastic on my evader has held up. To get the missiles for this evader, I had to buy another evader off of eBay last year and the gold plastic has stress marks over it so it's definitely got the gold plastic syndrome dna now i'd like to move on into the blueprints side and just go and walk around the evader uh, in your mind number one is the ultra wide stance puncture resistant front tire so if you were to compare this to, let's say, the Ram or the Silver Mirage, as motorcycles go, the tires on this are smaller in diameter, but much wider. So I think like three times as wide, but only three quarters as tall. And it's puncture resistant, which then they move on to the Black Hood, in quotes, ballistic deflection shaped canopy. Essentially, the canopy is armored, and so if you're shooting at it head-on, it will protect the occupant. Mind you that the evader 
you can see right through the sides. So don't worry about taking it head on, just flank it. You then go to the minimal ballistic entry canopy protection vision ports. Okay, so this is where the jargon gets funny for me. Ballistic entry canopy protection. So are you telling me that ballistics can go through these slats? Or are you saying that you can shoot your ballistics through these slats at the enemy? Does the canopy deflect bullets or does it not? Um, I'm a little confused here, Hasbro, but that's okay. It moves on to the, in quotes, eliminator. Canopy-mounted 9mm removable machine gun. Now, these don't look too much like machine guns to me. I'd like a nice belt fed for that, or even at least a magazine. But they do look like laser pistols. It doesn't look out of place for G.I. Joe 1989. It doesn't look out of place for Iron Grenadiers. I would just call them laser guns if it was me. But hey, you know what? They're 9 millimeter. That's a nice caliber. Do some damage. And it's nice that after the Gatling gun of Darklon runs out of ammo, he can just take one of these off if you could peel it off. A lot of quotes in this one. Number five, in quotes, Pursuer. Roof-mounted terminal homing stinger-type missile. So there's two of these on a turret at the very top of the evader. They're nice missiles. They're pretty big. I don't know why I would say that you'd lose them other than the fact that when you buy it, there's somewhere in a bin of extra parts probably somewhere. So they're nice missiles. I like them. Throw missiles on everything G.I. Joe. That's what they did. They did that from the beginning. So props to that. And a little thing on the whole quotes thing, I just came across my head. So remember how Darklon was, you know, Destro's little brother and he's a military salesman. So that's his branding. That's his branding. You're going to get this Eliminator Canopy. You're going to get this Pursuer Stinger type missile. You're going to get this Black Hood ballistic deflection shaped canopy. So he's a marketing genius. Forget, forget every criticism I've already said in this episode. The missile rack is also labeled the Infrared Thermal Imaging Scanner Radar Missile Rack. And then we get to the back, which is at the very back near the hinge of the canopy. So if, when you open up the evader, the engine is visible. And we got to my favorite part, the 325 horsepower dual turbocharger multi-fuel turbine. I'm a huge fan of this description right now. It's a turbine engine. Turbine, you know, that's what an Abrams tank uses. Turbine engines have been around for a long time in turbocharged variants very aerospace and military application. So I love it. It's f the first thing that I found that's real world applicable. Well, except for the missiles. Okay. But it's really like the first standout, like, okay, this is not exactly far-fetched. So lo loving the multi-fuel turbine here. And uh, that's also, again, another property of a lot of turbine engines. You can you could run it on perfume if you so chose. We have the Canopy Vehicle Hydropneumatic Elevation System. That's basically a fancy way of saying, yeah, it needs hydraulics to open up. You have the Auto Seal Self-Inflating Ultra-Wide Stance Rear Tire. 
So the only thing that's different about the front tire and the rear tire is it's an auto seal, not a puncture resistant. So yeah, go ahead, run over all the nails you want. It'll seal them back up. Whereas the front tire will just run them over to leave them for the back tire. You make sense of that. I'm not, I'm done. Then you go to the side mounted armor protection shields. Wait, what? On the print, it calls out for side shields to protect the occupant. I'm scrolling on the print. There's nowhere on the assembly instructions for the evader for side shields. I 3D Joe's. A great resource where he has all this stuff. I'm on there right now. There's no side shields in his 3D views. But you get to the description page of the evader. They're side shields. They're magic. They're transparent. Not included. Oh my gosh. That's awesome that I found that. Also, just as a note, if you have the side shields on, uh, Darkline can't sit up from his uh, easy chair and grab his 9mm laser guns. So, I don't know. You win some, you lose some. And then finally, number 11, the reconditioned, customized Bioform Evader command seat. And that's, like I said, they, that's the recumbent easy chair that Darkline sits in. So, yeah, the Evader is a motorcycle of sorts. The original design called for a fusion engine, and then they moved it to a turbine. And I will say that that was a good move on Hasbro's part. Like I said, uh, the en the turbine engine does have some decent detail. It doesn't really look like anything. It looks more like a fusion engine. But the turret on the top has like little four like finger holes, but they're obscured by the missiles when they're loaded. And Darklon has the ever so important seatbelt as it was common in the 88 and 89 years of the G.I. Joe toys. So safety first kids, when you're getting into your recumbent seated motorcycle of sorts with no side shields and a canopy that bounces off bullets and lets them in at the same time. So you know, maybe it's there just to help out the enemy improve their aim. And like I said, it's a value vehicle. So there's like, it's, it's there's not a lot of pieces, not a lot going on. Essentially, three main parts make the clamshell. And then you have the accessories, the guns and the missiles that clip on. So after all of this, what do I rate Darklon's Evader? On a scale of zero to five ultra wide puncture resistant tires, I think the Evader is like a one and a half. It's not my favorite motorcycle of the G.I. Joe line. It's there. It's cheap. It feels cheap in hand. And there's not a lot going on. Darklon, he gets a three and a half. And because the Evader comes with Darklon, that's why it gets that extra half point. I have one for my collection because... That's kind of what I'm doing with my collection. I, I really want to have kind of a complete G.I. Joe line from 82 to somewhere in the 90s. And that's why I have it. 
it's not going to get much use. Darklon can be better used as an individual character than as a vehicle driver. And in a battle, I can just see somebody just getting hurt driving around in the evader. That wraps up another missile for the masses. This has been the 39th missile of the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod. I have been your host, Gary. Thank you for listening. And while you're at it on that podcatcher of yours, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, comment on the podcast. It only helps grow and improve this podcast. Other ways to reach out for feedback, you can find the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Chaplain Joe Pod. And also you could send an email, chaplainjoepod at gmail.com. The Chaplain Sisters Motorpod is the strange, but not estranged, nerdy little brother of the pint, a pop culture podcast. Darkon's pointing something weird at me to say that. With all of that out of the way, One final missile for the masses, be decent to each other.